Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm your radio, radio show! Hello and welcome to the Nylar 9 podcast. We are in end of year 2020 lists mode at the moment. Uh, last week we had our uh, songs of the year, which went down very well. And Andrea. Uh, did it? Did you get Did you get letters in post? Got, got many things, yeah. Oh, lovely. <laughs> got a carrier pigeon. Um, oh, lovely. Yeah, I got a Christmas card. I don't think that was related though. <laughs> huh? I've yet to get a Christmas card. Oh, Hello, it's me, Andrea, by the way. Hello, everyone. <laughs> so myself and Andrea are going to be talking about our albums of the year this year. Um, in many ways, we're going to be, I think we're going to be doing 10 each. We have 10 each with some crossover, um, as expected. Um, so we'll be counting down some uh, of our favorite albums of this year. Obviously, it has been a strange year for everybody. Um, but that did not stop the music being released or uh, maybe... I don't know about you, but I've I was looking around at some end of year lists on different websites and stuff this uh, just this week really, and I noticed a, a wide array of different stuff. Um, I looked at the NPR list today, and I was like, "Wow, there's loads of stuff there mm. I would have expected to be on it." Isn't on it? Loads of stuff I've never heard of, and that's always great. I love Listly's mm. season for that. Um, there's still plenty of albums I have in a long list that I have not listened to this year. Um, and that is part of the fun, you know, um, you get to wrap up these ones that you do know and you love and when it comes to the end of the year and then the rest of the time, um, over Christmas and January, you can spend listening to stuff you maybe missed and that's the fun part as well. But I think lists are fun too, right? Uh, well, (laughs) I don't know. You don't, you're not sure. I, I, I like the end of year kind of, um reflective nature of of listmas but i found like ordering these really difficult today <laughs> so i mean these are 10 that like the order the order of my 10 can change around a lot um, basically almost any of them could be number 1 depending on time of day 
moon cycle, all of these different things. Um, so yeah, I'm not going to stress too much about it. These are just 10 albums that I loved and I hope other people, if, you, if they haven't heard them, might listen to them. Okay, great. Um, well, that's all we can do, right? Yeah. So we'll- oh, also, we, sh- we should say that we are uh, recording this roughly, what, how many hours? Uh, what are we? Seven. Um, bef- it's out at midnight. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, before the the new Taylor Swift album drops. So thanks for that, Taylor. Yet That's another Taylor nice Swift album. Um, yeah. But who knows? Maybe we'll be talking about Taylor Swift shortly. Who knows? Okay. Uh, I will start with my. Um, we're going to do maybe quickly some uh, five uh, records in the kind of bottom ten, and then uh, go into the top ones. Um, so I will start with a first of all an album that I listened to a lot this summer, which became uh, very much my. When I say background listening, I don't think it's fair, it doesn't seem like a fair term, but it's certainly an album I put on in the background um, uh, to put on to set a mood and listen to an awful lot. It's not one of those albums that was like, this is the best thing ever, but it's one I went back to an awful lot. And it is by a band called Crying Bin, I think that's what they're called. The album is called Mordecai. And uh, I'm going to, I chose for the songs this, uh, for this episode, rather than chose maybe the most obvious ones, I chose some of the album ones just to give you a bit more of a flavor of what that was. So this is uh, Crying Bin and uh, Mordecai. They are a Houston based trio. Um, they've really, they've always been had this kind of vibe where it's like dubby, a bit of funk, a bit of like surf rock, kind of instrumental stuff. Um, for this album, there's vocals on nearly every song, which, you know, whoa, uh, radical. But still, you know, I love <laughs> I love that um, it's very simple. It's very nice. It's very bright music. And it was one that I bought on vinyl this year and one that I went back to an awful lot. So I'm going to play a song from uh, uh, their album called Connasse de Fass. And this is Crying Bin. <laughs> I love this. That was Krang Bin. The album is called Mordecai, and they had some uh, great bops like that this year. There's a really good um, song exploder episode with them. Um, if you want to go and listen to that, um, but yeah, that is uh, one of the album tracks. Uh, kind of say the fast, and uh, yeah, I really enjoyed this band. It's like it's nothing. It's gonna earth shaking. It's not gonna uh, uh, break uh, the mold in any way. But you know, sometimes you just need a really lovely 
uh, bright, uh, me melodious album to put on in the background of this wolves. One of the ones that I, I, I went to a lot this year. So, Andrea, what is your uh, first choice um, on this podcast? Okay, so my number 10 album is by Aoife Nessa Francis, and it is called Land of No Junction. Uh, it's her debut LP, and maybe we'll take a little listen to it and then I can chat about it. Sure, this is Land of No Junction. That's the title track from Ifanessa Francis, uh, Land of No Junction, an album that I can't believe came out this year. Yeah, that was early did. January, wasn't it? Early January, yeah. Mm. I think at the time, Dean Van Nguyen said that it was the first great album of 2020. Um, and I agree with him, actually. Um, it's it's just such a beautiful um, kind of concept for an album. Uh, she, she misheard a... Um, the name of a, a Welsh junction, which I'm, I won't try and pronounce it. Um, she misheard it as land of no junction and kind of went off uh, on on that on that theme. And the lyrics in the album were written during kind of like free writing exercises. So th there is this kind of sense of liminality of existing kind of in between things and. It, it sometimes goes a little bit political, sometimes it's more dreamlike, but it's, I think, encapsulates really well the experience of being at some kind of a crossroads or some kind of an in-between stage in life, uh, which is a theme that has come up in a lot of albums this year, a lot of debut albums, actually. And I think it's one that she... Um, that she plays with really masterfully um, and I just think it's absolutely excellent. I think her vocal tones are so beautiful. Um, she collaborated with Keen Nugent on this, does a great job. Um, yeah, if you haven't listened to it yet, definitely get on 
Lando No Junction. Yeah, I think we did. We review this in, in the first podcast of the year. I think we might have. Yeah, wow. That, that was, seems likely. Yeah. yeah, about a year ago. Um, wow. Um, did you watch yep. um, Aoife on Other Voices this week? I did. I did. I God, Other Voices was great, wasn't it? I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I loved it. the <sighs> event. It really felt like a nice event. and uh, it, it was like, lovely to have the Christmas tree up and just drink some Baileys and watch Other Voices. It was great. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just had a great time with it and uh, yeah. and uh, enjoyed a lot of things that were on it. Including yep. one of the acts that we'll talk about in a bit. Um, but for now, um, that was your choice. That was Evanessa France's album is called Land of No Junction. Um, my next choice is a act called Kelly Leon's. Um, she's a Welsh producer and her album was the second album she's released. Uh, comes three years after her debut. It was called Inner Song. Oh, I'm just checking. Yeah, did I write that down? It is called Inner Song, and uh, yeah, just one of those albums that I went back to a lot this year again, and uh, very much kind of uh, a little bit between ambient and kind of uh, dance floor music, bit of techno kind of stuff going on, but also um, in terms of lyrics, exploring kind of <clears throat> struggles, um, mental struggles and uh, things, personal pain that she's experienced herself. Also, while talking about, you know, climate change and the natural world, and the song I'm going to play, it does actually open up with the cover of uh, Radiohead's Arpeggi on the album, which is kind of an unusual way to start an album, especially your second album, but it works quite well. Um, there's lots of great tunes on this and it goes from like kind of uh, this kind of balls to the walls kind of uh, techno tracks on this, but then there's also very meandering, lovely um, songs on it as well. One featuring John Cale, which I'm going to play, who's also a fellow Welsh artist, of course. Um, and so the song that John Cale features on is called Corner of My Sky, and it sounds like this. The moon in the corner of my sky is curdling in the sun. Kelly Leon's featuring John Cale song is called Corner of My Sky and um, one that uh, kind of like crept up on me this year for sure uh, one that I went back to uh, more than I realized and only when I was kind of going doing my list I was like oh yeah 
I've been listening to that a fair bit actually. So um that was I think that I- song to me sounds like what the fear feels like. <laughs> yeah, it does have I that. I felt anxiety of, listening to that. Yeah, it does have that kind of quality, <laughs> all right. Um but I did yeah. chose that I did choose that song because it's slightly different to the rest of the album. There's um mm. Uh, Kelly Leon sings a lot of vocals on it herself and uh, says the power of conceptualizing who you are has really informed the album and uh, there are samples of things like people ice skating and uh, melting glacial ice so it's all in there and a really interesting album so what is your uh, next choice for album of the year? Uh, my next choice for album of the year is a album that was inspired by um, Lancome um, and the kind of aesthetics around uh, Lancome's earlier albums. Of course. It yes. is uh, Taylor Swift's Folklore. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay, this is Cardigan. Vintage tea, brand new phone, high heels on, cobblestones. When you are young, they assume you know nothing. Sequin smile. Black lipstick, sensual politics When you are young they assume you know nothing But I knew you, dancing in your Levi's Drunk under a street light I, I knew you, hand under my sweatshirt Baby kiss it better So that's Cardigan by Taylor Swift, an album I kind of felt we were obliged to include because it was such a big album this year. But I actually went back and listened to it while I was putting this list together and I still really enjoy it. I I, I still kind of, I'm not fully convinced by all of it, we'll say, but I I enjoy what she's done. She created this kind of, moment of pause in a weird year where everyone was just kind of invited to just lean into these like these narratives instead of these very like I'm Taylor Swift here is my story kind of things um so and I I really enjoyed the collaborations on it um I enjoy the whole aesthetic around it even though I do feel a bit strange about like selling cardigans for like a lot of money and the fact that like a lot of iron jumpers sold out like <laughs> all over the world I just find that really odd um but I I I think as as an album in in Taylor Swift's kind of 
discography, it's going to stand up as a really big moment for her, as a really big turning point for her as a songwriter. Um, and I just really enjoyed what she did with it. Yeah. Very good. Um, yeah, we did a, an extensive in, uh, review of the album when it came out. We did. Um, and as you alluded to earlier on, there is a second album coming um, today. Tonight. Tonight, Friday, the December 11th, called Evermore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it seems to be from the Evermore. same sessions. There's some of the same people. Heimer on it. Bonnie Bear is on it. Oh, who else is on it? There's somebody else they saw listed on it. Oh, I think it's just the national. It said featuring the national. So mm. it'll be interesting to see what that is, sounds like. Um, I it personally, uh, right now, I'm glad we don't have time to review it. <laughs> just because that's what I was thinking. I saw that it was um it was being released tonight, and I was like, oh, it's actually going to be really nice to listen to an album and not be obliged to listen to it for review or for like I I can just listen to it I don't have to outwardly put any opinion in, into the world about it I can just listen to it as a normal punter and I'm excited about that indeed you can okay that was um Taylor Swift um is called Folklore Folklore yes and uh, so my next choice is another one of these albums that I was that crept up on me over the course of a year um, I when I actually heard this album first, I wasn't a fan of it. I was actually a bit disappointed. It's by Yeji, who's a Korean American producer. Um, who is it's essentially a mixtape. It's called What We Drew. Um, I don't know. The word mixtape is used a lot now to uh, denote uh, somebody who doesn't want to release their album just yet or doesn't want the pressure of releasing a debut album. Um, I think Yeji gave me a lot of um, a lot of fun. And a lot of um, joy this year because her music is kind of bouncy and interesting and the mixtape, she did a great boiler room set, which I'd definitely recommend you watch, um, which was very innovative actually in terms of the live stream stuff and a DJ kind of uh, live hybrid set. I really enjoyed it. Her sitting on a couch with loads of um, animated people coming in and out and uh, video games. Oh, this was during lockdown, was it? Yeah, it it was great. Um, Really good. But I have actually... A bit of a saga with this album. Um, I bought it in August um, uh, before I didn't have an office anymore. And it was sent to the office and then sent back to New mm. York. And fair play to the label um, or distributors uh, or VNG, I think it is. Um, they sent out another copy and I got it this week. So finally Yay. it arrived. Um, so my it's, you know, it can't be a year of music without having at least one record that takes a while to get to you. Um, this year, obviously, we had the Joy Paul vinyl that finally arrived. I still don't have that record. Do you not? I got... That's, that's in an, an ex-colleague oh, of yeah, mine's yeah, yeah. house. Right. He had to go and collect it. And I ordered something off eBay this week and eBay stored my old work address. So now, very embarrassingly, it's been sent to them again. So... Oh, no. Yeah. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Okay, well, I've I received this this week, and so actually I've been giving it a lot of listens um, this week as well, so it, it probably helped contribute to it. I'm going to play a song called Spell, which features two people I don't know called Glam and Yon Yon. This is Yeji.
にくい世界みんな閉じ込められてることそもそも気づいてない一人の小さな一歩で誰かの大きな道を照らすことをできるなら真実を伝え続ける永遠を見つけた気がした限界になった自分からエスケイプして走る Okay, that was Yeji song on from the What We Drew mixtape called Spell.、Um, so the album is called What We Drew. It came out on XL Records this year.、Um, and so, Andrea, what is your next choice? My next choice is another Irish artist. Her name is Neve Regan, and the album is called Hemet. This is an album that you and I have been kind of enamored with for、yeah. the past couple of months. Absolutely. We talk about it all the time, whether we're recording the podcast or not, or, or you know, whether we're watching other voices and just texting each other saying, Neve's doing great.、Um, and we had the pleasure of interviewing her for the podcast.、Um, Uh, probably a month and a half ago or so. Yeah, just、um, after the album. So lovely. The album. Yeah,、um, yeah.、Uh, really was a surprising release for, for me anyway.、Um, uh, did, you know, an artist who had released a couple of EPs and stuff and then came out with this really fully formed,、um, beautiful album. Um, and really, what I love about it, and it was very close to being my number one album of the Irish album of the year, which you can、mm. now look at the 25 choices that I picked for the Irish albums of 2020 on that. But I love that, you know, lyrically, there's a lot going on in this. And, you know, it's they're quite mature lyrics. They're talking about, you know, being a mother, having lost a mother,、um, meeting old friends and being on a path, maybe. In, in different parts of your life, where maybe you've got married since you saw this person last, about worrying too much and giving yourself too much of a hard time.、Um, I think it's it's an absolute beautiful album, and her, her voice is、uh, spectacular throughout. And it was, yes, brilliant to see her on other voices. And uh, uh, I, yeah, I don't know. I just, I just, I'm rooting for her. And I'm rooting that more people get to hear this album because I think it's one of the most probably underrated albums just because of the nature of it.、Um, Being released this year, and、uh, hopefully, she gets to do a lot of gigs off the back of that. It seems like o t h e r Voices is a good start for her. So, what song would you like to play?、Uh, you said Two Seagulls, right? That's one of, the, one of the album ones. Okay, let's hear Two Seagulls from Neve Regan's album, Hemet. Side of this road, when silence falls down like the sheet between us. I can't hear what you're saying. I cannot hear what you're saying. And I hope we hold hands once again and rewrite the pages we left. I can't hear what you're saying. I cannot hear what you're saying. And I wish not the hammer we thought it was. It hit from the inside and it bled from the skin. Patiently waiting. I 
That's my favorite track on that album. I think it's so beautiful. And I think it, it, it encapsulates really what I loved about that album the first time I heard it, because I didn't hear any um, buzz about this album. This was an album that was, I think, just sent to me or it, it, it arrived at me without any kind of fanfare or preconceived ideas I didn't even know what style of music it was going to be when I pressed play on it and I was just completely taken in by it um and I think it it achieved for me this year what folklore I think achieved for a lot of other people which is what I alluded to before about this this moment of stillness or this moment of just um listening to something that has like beauty for its own sake and these gorgeous vignettes this really personal storytelling that at the same time doesn't give too much away there's still a lot of mystery around Neve Regan like you you want to learn more about her you want to ask her about the lyrics you want to ask her about the places what things mean um and it's just it's just such a surprising album that just really took hold of me this year um it did that this album could be anywhere on this list for me do you know what I mean like it's not um, its placement here isn't uh, necessarily indicative of how how I feel about it compared to the other albums, but yeah, stunning work. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, not to pat ourselves on the back, but I think we were one of the first people to like give her a bit of a platform in terms of the album. Were we? But, that's um, good. But yeah, that's what we're here for. That's what that's what we do. Um, that was Neve Regan, album was called Hemet. My next choice is a bit of a banger, um, as most of them <laughs> this year seem to be, because uh, 2020 for me was a lot about escapism. Look, it's yin and yang for us, Niall. <laughs> I bring the right. sad, you bring the, you bring the dance floor. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, this is the last act I saw live this year properly in the, in the Academy 2 of all places um, the album is uh, Georgia and it's called Seeking Thrills um, the English producer second album just a really smart and confident and uh, really well put together album of kind of electro pop kind of stuff um, Georgia live plays uh, drums and everything else and is the only person on stage it was the last gig I saw this year and uh, it was uh, something that's going to be indelibly marked as a very much a 2020 experience. This came out in February, I believe. And um, so the album's called Seeking Thrills. I'll play the opening track called Started Out. With you, 
Okay, that's Georgia, Almost called Seeking Trills, and incidentally, we're doing a podcast awards next week, and that is all of the things that don't really fit in <laughs> to albums and songs, uh, and one of them may be artwork, and I think <laughs> we might end up being uh, Georgia's Seeking Trills artwork. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but... Uh, I haven't seen it. I'll give it a oh, little it's, Google now. It's brilliant. It's, it looks like... It's, it's great, because it's like... It's so perfect for modern uh, consumption because it looks like a club scene. And then when you actually look at it, it's like it's a load of kids um, who are just looking like they're having a great time oh, in a club. Oh, that's brilliant. It's very good. Um, <laughs> it's that's one of very my good. favorite covers uh, of 2020. So That's a brilliant um, cover. It, it looks very kind of um, Julia Jacqueline. It, it could be like a Julia Jacqueline cover as well. Do you know that kind of way? Yeah. It's just that yeah. sort of like old photo nostalgia Garfield t-shirt. Love it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, our next choice is actually on both of our lists. It is a album from Andy Schauf, which we reviewed back in February, I believe. Um, is this in the same place on your list or is it further on in your list? Um, this is my number seven. Yeah, it's there or thereabouts. Yeah, so I think it's... <laughs> yeah, I think it actually Re- is. Really committing to this whole uh, countdown format. Yeah, we? I mean, no, no, it's... it's I'm, I'm happy with where it's where it's sitting. Number cool. seven, then, okay. is it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> or maybe it's number six for me, I think. Maybe. One, okay. two, three, four. Yeah, fine. Anyway, um, Neon Skyline is the name of the album. Canadian artist, a surprisingly 2020 album, actually, in terms of how small the concerns of the album actually are, in a time where we could go very few places. Um, this is an album chiefly concerned with uh, a bar, a Toronto bar called the Neon Skyline, in which many of the album's events unfold. It's essentially a novella in musical form about uh, the protagonist, um, Andy, or I don't think he's ever named, but goes out drinking with his friends and sitting in a bar and then... Um, thinks about an old flame and talks about her and then meets her and uh, just really very small. You you mentioned the word vignettes earlier on, very much small vignettes. Uh, there's one song about the bartender smoking a clove cigarette. and that, I love that song. Yeah, that prompts uh, his thoughts about um, his previous uh, relationship and uh, a summer dress and green plastic tables. Um, so it kind of moves between the main story, which is Andy's kind of inner monologue and his just him hanging out in his bar with his friend Charlie and Claire and then um, just past remembrances and, you know, the use of Sonder, making it a part of the narrative, the realization that everyone else uh, is also living a story, living a life as well. And there's some great lines on it. Um, I missed this like when he when he finally does meet Judy. Um, he's like, she says, I missed this. And he goes, I missed this too. I was like, actually, I was talking about your coat. Um, things like that. Um, it, the music is very much like Paul Simon is the one, the influence I keep thinking of. It's very like nice, bright and breezy acoustic kind of folk music. Lovely, uh, just a lovely uh, tilt to it. Um, mm. So yeah, I, I, I will give the floor to yourself now to uh, uh, espouse more on the Neon Skyline. Um, well, I'd like to echo everything you said there. And I, I think the the thing that grabs you uh, initially about this album before you kind of lean into the concept is just how 
bright it sounds with that with that first song. Um, I mean, the the first song is uh, Neon Skyline, and it's just it's just so so bright and familiar. And yes, there are very very strong Paul Simon influences here. Even his kind of vocal delivery in that first song is is very kind of Paul Simon Graceland esque, which. I mean, may- maybe that would annoy some people. It doesn't annoy me at all. Big Paul Simon fan, and I don't mind people kind of homaging to him or you know ripping him off. Um, yeah, I, th- I think it's 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 the narrative really here that that I love so much. I love how it feels so familiar, even if you've never had this night. Everyone's kind of had this night. Everyone's kind of had these conversations with their friends. Everyone's kind of had those those meetings with like ex-partners or old friends or coming back to a town that is maybe a little bit different to you and it's never the way it is in pop songs and in movies and stuff it it's a lot more like this it's a lot more wry and probably a bit funnier probably involves you embarrassing yourself a little bit more and I just think he he's an excellent lyricist like I feel like at the end of this album you know Charlie you know Judy you know you, you know uh, who was the bartender um Rose like you know these people and you can kind of transpose them onto different people in your own life and think oh well yeah I guess that person would be my Charlie or that person would be my Rose that person would be my Judy and so on um and it's for for such a kind of wry at times almost like sarcastic album there's also so much truth in it and like you said what I love about it is that it's so small and so contained you really actually get a sense of space in the album you kind of feel like you know how far away the neon skyline is from the next place that they move on to you kind of know what the streets around there look like and he's not telling you any of this this is all just done really brilliantly um through just just these little snippets of conversations that he might walk past there's a real sense of space in this album that i i think is is properly brilliant and like most importantly it's really fun to listen to it's fun to read the lyrics along with it it's fun to get to know these characters and i think the comparison to a novella is really really apt um because it's it's short it's sweet it's snappy but it's also something that will linger with you for a while. And I really enjoyed actually going back to this album uh, this week, just going back into that world uh, because he does, he does build a world here, no matter how small it is. And it's something that everyone can relate to. Like there's a song called the moon and you're like, we're going to the moon and the moon is actually just mm. like the local nightclub, like anyone the else nightclub. can relate to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, like it's, you know, it's leaving the garage bar and walking up to workman's, you know, like we, that's just that's the kind of feeling that you get from it and the conversations that you have along the way, the people you pass, people you run into. It's really it's it's quaint in a way um, and really, really charming. Absolutely. OK, let's play the title track Neon Skyline from Andy Shouse, uh, The Neon Skyline. I called up Charlie about a quarter past nine and said what's going on tonight. He said no plans, but I wouldn't mind holding a letter Come to the skyline, I'll be washing my sins away Oh, he just left Said I'll be late You know how I can be I looked in my fridge, it was a dark scene So 
the neon skyline from Andy Schauf and as you can hear there in uh, about 90 seconds you get the setting scene setting uh, bar scene and uh, the fact that it's a very dark scene in his own is his own um, fridge so and you get a couple of references even to his past love there you get a reference to uh, well the the bartender as well so it's just really a really lovely story and it just I always think you know, you think of those kind of classic American bars that you see or you, you go to sometimes in real life, um, but also mm. see in, in TV and movies and uh, a lot of a lot of neon like the name uh, implies. So, uh, yeah, one of those ones that has really uh, stuck with me and a lovely uh, small story. Um, mm. Our next artist are uh, actually previous guests and co-hosts on the show. Um, and they were um, this Yesterday, um, this week, I uh, picked them as the number one Irish album of 2020. It is, of course, Pillow Queens, and they are the album is called In Waiting, and they are Pamela Connolly, Sarah Corcoran, Rachel Lyons, and Kathy McGuinness. Um, this was one of those albums that has again really grew on me. Uh, the more I listened to it, um, you know, when you hear an album first and you've heard a good few a number of the songs on it, but then over the course of maybe seven or eight listens, you kind of, then they start to feel like they really belong um, together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I've got a lot of that even the last couple of weeks when listening to this album and, and making my list for Irish albums of the year. And In Waiting was one I went back to a lot. I think it's a real, a beautiful album with a lot of uh, vulnerable uh, songs. There's a lot of uplifting kind of inclusivity <clears throat> in there about like songs like Brothers, about sibling support and grief and, um, you know, kind of almost like and an very anthemic songs as well, like Gay Girls and uh, Holy Show. Um, and I just think I've been, these are, Pillow Queens are a great band and even watching them again over oh, the voices properly last week, I really felt that. I felt, you know, these, they really have come on a lot in three years since they arrived Production on this album is worth mentioning because it's by Tommy McLaughlin and then recorded in Donegal's Attica Audio Studios. I think there's a lovely sheen and, and buzz to this that and warmth to this album that I think they, that they've really hit on that I think is going to really suit them going forward. I think ultimately there's just loads of great songs on this album and it is one that I went back to an awful lot. 
So I will play uh, the opening track, actually, uh, Holy Show from um, Pillow Queen's album. So, baby, if you're still waiting outside, I've got your eyes and cheeks in front of me, filling the space between my thighs. I roll you up and crack you open. Just hanging back in Holy Ghost and apologizing me. If you remember a thing about it, tell me that it's not So <laughs> I put up the best Irish albums list yesterday and uh, Pillow Queens earlier on today said the first time you played a gig in front of Nyla we all had to take a modium to calm our tum tums. <laughs> so honestly this means the world. I was like I hope it wasn't something to do with me being there. God. Um, but no I think it wasn't. Um, but that's great. I'm really happy uh, I've, and I'm very pleased for Pillow Queens and the, and the year they've had despite the fact that uh, we can think bands cannot tour and uh, In Waiting is a great album and I hope that they will go on and do even bigger things Holy Show is one of those songs that just really I think it's one of my favourite songs this year it's just uh, it's very anthemic and uh, I think Pillow Queens are really good at doing that kind of thing I wholeheartedly agree uh, I had Holy Show as one of my favourite tracks of the year uh, last week on the podcast and I said it before I'll say it again if I ever get to see them live anytime soon I will cry my eyes out <laughs> um, so Okay, the floor is yours. What is your next album? Uh, okay, so my number six album is by uh, N- Nubia Garcia. Um, I hope I'm pronouncing the first name right there. Um, she is a sax- saxophonist from London um, and the album is called Source. Uh, it's a it's, it's a jazz album. Uh, it's completely gorgeous and dizzying that spans from kind of free jazz to Afro-Caribbean influences. Um, she has said about the album that it represents the kind of hectic life of a gigging musician in London. Um, and I just I just love how well she kind of fits with her band on this album. All of the arrangements sound at the same time really meticulously planned, but also very free. Um, and so she strikes a really beautiful balance there. There's a there's a lovely push-pull between her and the band, especially in the opening uh, track, which is 12 minutes long, uh, which we'll play a clip of. That's just really gorgeous to listen to. Yeah, it's very it's just very kind of impressionistic, almost visual music that I think gets better with every listen because there's so much going on in it that you do have to kind of spend time with it. And it's, it, it is immediately rewarding, but it's one of those albums that the more you go back to it, the more you unearth. Um, so, yeah, this is my number six album, uh, Nubia Garcia. And the track that we're going to listen to is called Help Me Out Now. Pace. Pace. 
It's called Ace. Pace. Thank you. Okay, Pace. here's Nubia Garcia. Ace. Garcia, a song is called Pace, and the album is called Source. There we go. Okay, it's it's actually your choice again, and uh, because we have a shared choice next. So um, tell me, what is your next album, which is this number five? My number five is uh, Adrian Lenker, uh, kind of a double album, songs, instrumentals that she brought out um, earlier this year, and it's just... It's just so beautiful. Um, the the track I chose from it, I I had a track from it last week on the songs of the year list, and I wanted to include this other track uh, called "Zombie Girl" on it because I think it's it's also one of my favorite songs of the year. It's just such a beautifully spacious album. Like I think a lot of it was recorded. Um, kind of well, a lot of it was recorded on tape. Uh, she kind of locked herself away for a little while and uh, wrote these songs and recorded them herself. So it does kind of sound like an album of isolation. Um, and I think it's it's lovely to kind of hear her in that atmosphere and in that space, especially since, you know, 2019 was a really huge year for Big Thief, uh, her band releasing two records. And we kind of have grown used to hearing her in in that kind of space with like working with other people especially that second album that they released it was just so you could feel people in the room you could feel them moving closer to each other and further away whereas this now is just Adrian Lenker um I I think I also said last week that she's one of the best like musicians of her generation um and I think if you were ready to get into her solo stuff which is a bit more subdued and a bit more introspective and even kind of more philosophical than um her work with Big Thief then I think this would actually be a really great album to start with there's a lot of um sort of background noise in it of you know birds or just like the breeze moving through trees it's a very kind of tactile album without going overboard with it it's it just feels very natural very kind of uh snapshot of a moment in time of somebody who is in isolation and bubbling over with creativity um and it's it's really really beautiful stunning work from her she's just you know she keeps knocking out of the park for me um 
And yep, so the track I've chosen is called Zombie Girl, which has some of my favorite lyrics of the year in it. And uh, you can definitely hear that kind of atmospheric, natural um, environment in, in this track. Okay, here is Adrian Lenker and Zombie Girl. I could have felt you there And I almost could have kissed your hair But the emptiness withdrew me Songs, just simply called song style. Um, that songs, is, lowercase yeah. s. Yes, lowercase s. Don't like when people. A lot do of this lo- anyway. lowercase stuff going around this year now. Not, um, not happy about it now. Not happy about her, it. Her, herself there had it as well with folklore. Um, uh, yeah. Why are you doing that? Just laziness. I don't know. Pure laziness. I don't know that's it all. It is pure laziness now. Okay, uh, our next uh, choice is a joint choice. Um, so it is a. An album we de- uh, devoted a whole um, podcast episode to. It is from Phoebe Bridgers and it's called Punisher. And if anything, she Phoebe Bridgers is one of those artists that had, really has a, had gr- a great year this year, right? Like really fantastic. Mm. Second album came out, really lifted um, the sound that she had, um, moved the her songwriting on more intimate, more powerful, more interesting all like things can be described um in a positive way in terms of her artistry and also did a lot of really great live stream stuff and and videos and stuff like that just really came into her own i felt this year um Mm -hmm. you can go back and listen to the podcast in full about that but we talked a lot about you know um how there's so many lines on this there's so many great lyrics there's so many great songs on this and there's such a good vibe um, to Phoebe Bridgers' music, and um, yeah, what do you think? What do you? What can we say about Phoebe Bridgers? Um, in December, after having sat with it for a good few months, yeah, I mean, I I completely agree that this this year has been amazing for her. I mean, for people who were fans of her already, I think a lot of us were kind of just waiting for this to happen. Um, it's it's surprising that Punisher is the album that she fully broke into the mainstream with um and not her most recent record because i'd argue that punisher is a bit um is maybe a little bit harder to get to find your way into i think you you kind of it it benefits it would benefit you to kind of know her already going into punisher that that said you could definitely go into it but i, I just think it, it it would be better if you kind of know her stuff um and can kind of see the growth that she has there um yeah it, it it's uh, i think um 
I can't remember who said it about about Phoebe, but somebody said something like she writes beautifully about boredom and sadness. Um, and I think that that kind of encapsulates her. Like she just has this way of writing about youth and ennui and the feeling of being a bit fed up um, in a really beautiful way. And P- Punisher is an album that is is just full of these kind of mundane moments that are elevated and uh, kind of held up as big philosophical questions and trying to find meaning in them. Um, I mean, one of my favorite um, moments on the album is on the song Chinese Satellite, where she's driving and she can't find a star to wish on when she's looking to the sky for meaning. So she makes a wish on a satellite instead and just kind of that idea of of making do. Um, uh, I think Kyoto is a wonderful song. Um, It was nearly on my songs of the year last week this this kind of relationship with her father and homesickness and uh how depression and feeling sad can make you hate a place as beautiful as Kyoto um and I think that she's so good at just making the the hard stuff accessible and this kind of this universality that is imbued in folk music and applying quite emo uh like topics and uh, and uh themes to it and i like in in the way that kind of bright eyes and death cab for cutie kind of do as well and like she's just she's just really like precise there's nothing superfluous on the album everything has its role everything plays its part i think the 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 love letter to elliot smith uh which is punisher is just done in such a be- beautifully kind of contrived way (laughs) like it's just it's such an odd uh it's an odd way to write a love letter to an artist is to do it from the point of view of the person who's going to be hanging around and annoying you after the show and like hanging around the merch stand and stuff she just does it so brilliantly she just has she's tapped into something about youth that I it's so hard to kind of put your finger on it but she's done it here and a huge year for Phoebe and I'm just I'm glad I know her yeah she's brilliant um obviously one of our favorite artists probably uh together and uh mm. yeah she's just... the Julia Jacqueline of this year I think <laughs> we had Julia last year this year it's Phoebe and in the previous time I did confuse the two um <laughs> for a really Shame. for a really Shame new, knew them I would get them mixed up um, yeah but yeah uh Punisher is one of those albums that's been evergreen this year and mm. we're going to play a Kyoto from us so let's hear Kyoto
away, that was Phoebe Bridgers, and the uh, album is called Punisher. Okay, we are down to the last few albums um, that we're going to talk what about. What number are we on now? Um, we are on... So Phoebe your... was my number four. Yeah, so we're on your number three now. We're on my number three now. Okay, um, so my number three is uh, an album called Colour Theory by Soccer Mommy. Um this is an album that I have gone back to a lot this year. Uh, I think it was released in April, maybe March. Um, I actually got to interview Soccer Mom in, in like a, a day that just couldn't exist now. I remember it was the day of the Choice Prize. I was all stressed because I had like a phoner with Soccer Mommy. And I arrived at your office about like an hour before the choice being like, can you give me space oh, to yeah. interview Soccer Mommy? <laughs> I'm like getting ready for the choice, like doing my makeup on the phone to her <laughs> and then like finishing up and then legging it over to do the choice judging and then out after the choice. It's just one of those days where it was a lot going on. Um, so I have a very, very fond memories associated with, with listening to, to this album because I'm remembering that day that just like I said, just wouldn't be a thing now. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is a really brilliant, accomplished album. I, I mean, a, a lot of her her earlier stuff was, was this kind of bedroom pop indie thing, whereas here she's definitely moved into a much more fuller sound that I think is completely hers. Um, it's, it's, it's not as, I suppose, introspective uh, anymore. And I think that that benefits her. Like she, I think there's 10 songs in this record and, and they're, they're all written while she was touring. But the kind of the theme of the album, Colour Theory, didn't really emerge until after she had written all of them. Um, so she she kind of separates the album into songs that have like blue as the linking theme for depression, grey for mortality and yellow for um, illness and sickness, um, which I th- I think is really interesting because yellow is kind of something that we might associate with like happiness. But um, she writes a lot about her mother's illness on this album and yellow is the colour of her eyes uh, was one of my choices last week for for my song of the year. Uh, I just think that she she's grown up an awful lot and there's there's a kind of a sadness about the record in that you you are kind of hearing a young person singing about kind of having to grow up um, maybe a little bit too early because of everything that she's kind of been through through her life, not having a good time on tour, not really enjoying herself. Um, and there's there's just such a there's such an honesty in this, and but she still kind of manages to have so much fun with this. Like she's she's taking a lot of influences from bands that she kind of grew up with. Um, she's she's not afraid to write a song that's like eight and a half minutes long with like a really long outro that just works so well. Um, I think she's absolutely smash this um and i'm surprised that i haven't seen a top more lists actually it, uh, i've seen it kind of hang around the kind of 10 to 15 mark but um i think this is a, a terrific album okay very good soccer mommy um yeah i've never seen her live once <laughs> someday oh, yeah. soon that'll happen again um, yeah. okay here's circle the drain from soccer mommy
Okay, that was your number three choice from Soccer Mommy. It was called Color Theory. Uh, my third choice, um, my number three choice for 2020 albums um, is from Killer Mike and uh, LP. It is Run the Jewels, RTJ4, an album which arrived at a very uh, timely um, release date um, coming shortly after... Uh, the death of George Floyd, the killing of George Floyd uh, at the hands of a, a US police officer. Um, and as with all of the kind of Run the Jewels stuff, they always kind of talk about the brutal absurdity and oppression of American life in general. But it really had an extra resonance this time. And not only that, um, RTJ4 was really a return to form for the for the pair. Like they really did... Uh, produce an album that is just absolutely brilliant um just timely uh felt like it's commenting on what's actually happening in the world but as well as ever had some great guests on the, on there they had the likes of their old pal uh, zach de la rocha uh, there's mavis staples is on there pharrell uh is on that song just which is one of my favorite songs this year and uh two chains as well and greg noise and i think it, if anything, I think RTJ3 was kind of lacking in a bit of um, buzz and fun and it felt a bit tired. And here we are in the fourth edition and it's not it's not a case of diminishing returns. I feel like this is one of their best albums, maybe their best overall album, although probably RTJ2 is probably the best one. But um, I got a lot out of this this year. I just, when you need an album of pure rap bangers that also talk about uh, what's going on in the world, you could do an awful lot worse than RTJ4. So I'm going to play uh, Out of Sight, uh, the song from uh, RTJ4 featuring 2 Chains, and it sounds like this. Kind of menaces to sobriety, like what? what? Super thug is dumping what? on a cut. What? 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 My motherfucking Uzi weighs a ton. Hit the drum till you hear it go. But I'm a bum Run, run. Piety just really isn't us. What a rush. See you cutting up a pie. That's my lunch. Run. Your motherfucking pockets when I come. It's an honor to be robbed by Denise's only son. Yeah. Give a ready, baby boy. Bitty moving extra heavy with his Chevy. Gotta get it. Eat spaghetti with the monster. Vegan bitches eat them dick cause they don't eat no steak and lobster. Sosa was my hero. Tony's just a fucking out of mind, out of touch, out of time. Man, I smoke a bogey backwards with a thumb up like it's fine. What? Sleep the self, I say, self sleep divine. Leave me here to drown in glory, you're too good to cross that line. Run, run. Tragically struck down in my prime by the speed at which the bags are dropping. Should've watched the sky. You don't wanna live this life, it's really not sublime. I'm only doing what I want behind the loogies at the swine. Okay, that was RTJ4, uh, out of sight from RTJ4, from Run the I was Jews. enjoying that a lot. Very good. Have okay, your number, sec- your number two choice, please, for My album. number two choice. My number two choice um, for album of the year is Fetch the Bolt Cutters by Fiona Apple. This was a massive album this year. It was, um, it got, you know, that elusive like 10 out of 10 on Pitchfork, which 
we all need to get over that as a thing but um <laughs> but still when when it happens it's it's really really exciting and um yeah it was i probably the biggest release of the year maybe apart from uh taylor swift's folklore in terms of just everybody in my circle talking about it going onto twitter and kind of not being able to read anything that wasn't about this album and you know people texting you it was it was one of those moments one of those big big album moments um and i mean no doubt the score from pitchfork definitely contributed to that but having spent more time with it i think i i I found it initially quite difficult to return to it after we reviewed it actually because it 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 is dealing with a lot of pain um and a lot of really heavy topics but returning to it after you know a few months of kind of setting it aside i think i'd forgotten the amount of levity on it and the amount of kind of like i think conceptually she has created a kind of very safe domestic space for herself within which she can kind of look into memories that are painful. And I mean, this is all happening, I suppose, in the meta narrative of it. But like survivors will know or 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 people who have like pain in the past will know that that idea is so essential to like facing demons or fa- or facing kind of past events that you haven't been able to face yet. And she just does it so brilliantly and so wonderfully by just building this fortress around herself. Like you can, this, there's just so much like tactile domesticity on, on the album. She's using things from around the house as her instruments. Like it, you can kind of feel her just re- reaching out and grabbing something, whether it's like, I think she used like an old box of bones. She got her dogs in to be on one of the, on one of the tracks. You know, it it, it doesn't matter what it is. It's just kind of this idea that, she is in such a safe space that she can just create out of the four walls around her. And I think that that's just such a stark and brilliant um, message of positivity and of what I think should be or, or might be an idea to strive towards even in like my own feminism. Like it just, it got me thinking so much about um, the role of the home and and building a home for yourself and and how that's, that's you know, important for women and for people and so on. Anyway, um, I think the, this, this is the first album that she produced kind of fully on her own. Um, and it's just such a powerful, empowering, yet painful album it's kind of like she's just she's just so raw on this and inviting you into a space where you can be raw as well and bring your own stuff to it um and but but crucially it all feels so safe um I don't mean safe as in she's not experimenting she is experimenting a lot but safe as in this is a place where you can get safe to place to experiment yeah and- exactly you can kind of address things along with her along with Fiona um I think it's wonderful it's um challenging definitely um but you know the the best the best work is she's a true artist and uh, she doesn't care what score we give her on this but um she's just yeah she's she's an icon yeah it's it's a one of the biggest albums of the year for sure and one of the most critically acclaimed and rightly so 
um, I figured you would include it here. So I yes. left it off. Um, but yeah, it is. It is not one I've gone back to an awful lot yet, but that's mm. okay. And it's funny, like, I think this year is one of those years where I'm really like, it's okay not to ha- have a repeat um, mm. listening factor to your album necessarily if it's something that actually gives a lot on, on a single listen or, or over uh, less listens than something that was oh this is or something I have I'm I'm playing a lot but um, mm. yeah there's a lot that New Yorker piece that um, it really gives some great context to the album and the recording and where Fiona Apple has been and where she's going and um, the, especially with the album itself um, so I would recommend that so we're going to play Shamika just for me just to be crash symbols in class I pass the time drawing a slash for every time second hand went by a group of five done twelve times just a minute but Shamika said I had potential Shamika said I had potential Shamika said I had potential. Shamika said I had potential. I used to march down the windy, windy sidewalk, slapping my leg with the riding crop, thinking it made me come off so tough. I didn't smile because a smile always seemed rehearsed. I wasn't afraid of the bullies, and that just made the bullies worse. In class I'd pass the time Drawing a slash for every time The second hand went by A group of five done twelve times Just a minute but Shamika said I had potential 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 Hurricane Gloria in Ecstasis Dale That's my bird in my tree My dog and my man and my music is my holy trinity Hurricane Gloria in Ecstasis Dale That's my bird and my tree My dog and my man and my music is my holy trinity Tony told me he described me as pissed off, funny and warm Sebastian said I'm a good man and a stone Back then I didn't know what potential meant And Shamika wasn't gentle and she wasn't my friend But she got through to me and I'll never see her again She got through to me and I'll never see her again Stuff funny and warm. I'm a good man in the storm. And when the fall is torrential, I'll recall. Shamika said I had potential. 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 Okay, that was Fiona Apple. Album is called Fetch the Boat Colors. Um, that was your number two choice. And mm-hmm. uh, my number two is, is it cheating slightly? It may be. I have put two albums together, but Niall. With, with good reason. Let me explain. Um, so <sighs> uh, this year, a band called Salt, S-A-U-L-T, released two albums, both uh, untitled and in brackets, uh, two different words or two different phrases. Uh, the first one came out in June, it was called Black Is, and the second one came out in September, called Rise. And I put these two together um, because they are very much uh, two sides of the same coin. They feel like uh, companion pieces. Um, the first one, uh, Black Is, it was very much a kind of soul-searching treatise on being uh, what it's like to be a black person in 2020. Uh, it has kind of a, got a gospel-style hymnals vibe to it, very contemplative streams of thought and kind of um, 
what do you say? It's kind of it draws a bit on dub and gospel and a bit of reggae and funk and stuff as well. It is what we do know. Well, we don't know an awful lot about Salt and who they are, and that's deliberate. Um, Michael Kiwanuka is on the album, um, and uh, so and there's people like uh, the producer who worked on Little Sims album, um, I also mentioned, but we don't really know who Salt are, and that's okay because they like the music to uh, speak for itself, and the music does have a lot to say for itself. Uh, Untitled Black is is very much like that it was released on juneteenth actually and it came with a statement that says uh, the band intends to mark a moment where we as black people and of black origin are fighting for our lives rip george floyd and all those who've suffered from police brutality and systemic racism change is happening we are focused and that is uh, a really good backdrop for where the first album untitled black is uh, pitches itself it is uh, there are songs here called don't shoot guns down um sorry ain't enough uh, stop them it's very much like almost gentle protest music or kind of tribal protest music in lots of ways um it's a beautiful album really is a beautiful album um and then uh, not only that but then they released another album in uh, called Untitled Rise, which is more probably an upbeat kind of album, a bit more like disco and R&B kind of stuff, but still has some of that same searches for uh, and answers for uh, around identity. Um, and these albums gave me so much, not only so much uh, musical pleasure, but like I really felt like it was the right time, it's the right albums for the right time this year in terms of the uh, Black Lives Matter movement. These kind of albums are were really important um, for me this year. Um, the Untitled Rise is, yeah, like I said, it's more kind of, it has a bit more of a disco kind of funk, loads of more strings and kind of things going on. There's echoes of Gil Scott Heron on these albums. There's kind of, uh, it's being compared to Soul to Soul and the 90s uh, Black British Music Collective. Um, Untitled Rise definitely feels like it's trying to be a bit more escapist in terms of its music and leaning into that more kind of the escapism of disco and uh, disco is something obviously we talked about uh, that is has been very prominent this year funny enough because it is escapist music and when we can't go anywhere that's what we kind of need um, but yeah there's some great absolutely amazing and devastating songs here as well a song called Uncomfortable lays it pretty bare and direct why do you keep shooting us um, and I think Untitled Rise is probably personally um, my favourite album of the two because it's probably less meandering and more musically complete there's a lot of single like one um, minute one and a half minute songs on Untitled Black Is but Untitled Rise has a bit more um, in terms of its overall focus there's a song called Scary Times which is literally just uh, somebody saying these are scary times set to stirring strings and keys Um they're really important albums and uh, ones that I uh, bought in vinyl this year and been paying an awful, awful lot. So they kind of come together um, for me. And um, so, uh, yeah, it was hard to um, separate the two, really. So I couldn't, uh, I didn't separate the two at all. So. Well, you've made a perfectly reasonable case for not doing so. Okay, thank we you We will much. allow it. Okay, great. Well, I will play a song called Sunshine from the second one untitled uh, rise this is sunshine yeah
just while that was playing there, I decided to just have a quick look and see if I could actually figure out who they are. Um, and uh, I did that by uh, looking up uh, some publishing information. And uh, it seems to be two main artists seem to be an artist called Cleo Soul, um, who maybe is the singer there and uh, um, an artist in her own right. And then Dean uh, Hosea. Oh, Jos- Josiah Dean Winton. So there you go. Um, that's Inflow is the producer. So I think that was the guy who produced Little Sims album. So maybe that's who Salt are actually after all that. So um, there you go. Okay. Um, so exclusive news. <laughs> okay. So it's time for our number one albums of 2020. Yeah. I mean, number one. <sighs> walk it back (laughs) (laughs) it's I am as surprised as anyone that you know I was reshuffling this list a lot and this this album just kind of landed in the number one spot and I was like yeah I think I think this feels right actually um yeah I don't know I, I I found it really really hard I mean it was kind of between this album and um and Fiona Apple's album I just find it hard. Hard. Anyway, my number one album of 2020 is "The New Abnormal" by The Strokes. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why I find it so funny. I just do. I just I'm just really relieved and happy that I get to say something like the best album of 2020 is by The Strokes. Like that's just that's very exciting to me. But look, I just spend so much time with this album this year. It, I mean, I t- talked a little bit about it last week. Um, I chose Bad Decisions as one of my songs of the year. Uh, and just the kind of the lift it gave me, The it, it just came at the right time for me. You know, it came like quite early on during lockdown, but it was at, at the kind of stage in lockdown when it was starting to feel a bit real and it was starting to feel like actually there's not as much of an end in sight here as we think there is. Um, so it just brought, a, a lot of uh, light to me. And I definitely think that this is a return to form for the Strokes. I mean, I've, I've been a Strokes fan for as long as I can remember. I think um, this is a, a brilliant step forward for the band. I think, um, you know, okay, so if you take even something as simple as Julian Casablanca's vocals, I think they've kind of never sounded better. Like he is working around some really beautiful falsetto lines. I mean, uh, on the song Selfless, it's beautiful. On the song The Adults Are Talking, I feel like we've never been so close to him in that way because obviously a lot of their earlier work was a lot of kind of different effects on his vocals. And now it's really nice to just hear him sing and he sings really beautifully and he he sings brilliantly. And it's nice to also hear the strokes singing about something like there there it's it's not this kind of abstraction that we might have become kind of used to in those like middling albums like it, these lyrics are much more immediate much more clearly identifiable as being about things whether that's politics or the idea of change or even things like depression and global warming it's a lot more upfront than 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 I thought it was going to be um and I mean, I think I mentioned this when we reviewed the album all those months ago that they are letting the guitars lead their sound again. And that was, I think, the biggest relief for me because they they work so brilliantly when they when they kind of form their music around a really tight guitar hook. They're brilliant at it. Um, it's, it's what they do best. 
And yeah, so the the song I chose to kind of um, to play from the album is The Closer, actually, Ode to the Mets, um, which has actually become one of my favorite stroke songs. I think it, it encapsulates so much of what I love about them. And it also signaled to me that this band still have so much more to give me that I can still be surprised and still be moved by them. Um, it, it, it's it got a, a really beautiful, two melodies really. Um, it's got like this false start. It's got this like dr- drums please fab has just been my like theme of the year. <laughs> like um, it's, it, yeah, it's, it, it's a really beautiful um, harrowing song. And I mean, as, as it fades out and as Julian Casablanca's kind of sings those final lines in it, it's, it's just what it's probably the best closer of an album that I that I came across this year. And I just I just adore this album. And I, I don't know why it feels weird to have the strokes as my number one album. I just yeah, I, I, I don't know why, but I think it's the it's my mo- my most beloved this year. I think I'm just so grateful of, that it came to me when it did. And yeah, I still still love the strokes. Here we go. 2020. OK, great. Well, that's exactly the reason why I chose my number one, which we'll talk about after this. But um, yes, yes, let us play Ode to the Met from the strokes. Up on his horse, up on his horse, not gonna wake up. Here anymore, there's some time, it's not the truth, it's just a story I tell to you. Innocent heart, no, it's not wrong. 
Isn't that nice now? One of your favourite bands released uh, your favourite album of the year for now. <laughs> isn't that, isn't it new, nice though? It is nice. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Um, it is the last choice is left to me. I'm going to read out a bit I read today to keep the suspense going a little longer about this album that I picked as my number one. It's a surprise to me also. Um, mm. And I'll explain why after this. Um Okay, here's a here's a thing I read today about this album. A thrilling cascade expertly manipulated references to 45 years of pop sounds that comes off as neither market-tested nor manic because its creator has so caringly compiled and arranged them. Like one of those Wikipedia entries that's clearly the work of a joyous obsessive, it's exactly the sort of supposedly ephemeral product that lasts because it manages to transmit confidence, charm, delight and pride in its own existence. Okay. Oh, so then, that's good. Yeah. That's good writing. Who wrote I like that? that. Uh, I can't remember where I saw it. I think it was maybe on NPR, actually. The NPR's top 50. I think it was that one. That's um, fabulous. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> this feels very strange to say this because uh, currently this is where I'm at. Um, my favorite album of the year in 2020 is Dua Lipa's Future Nostalgia. If you had told me in January that <laughs> this was the one I would have been hammering all year, I would have been like, what? Same, I don't like Dua Lipa. <laughs> complete, complete same. Weird year, weird choices for number one. Here we are. It's yeah. fine. It's, it's um, our fucking podcast. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, like I've mentioned it before, and we've talked about it before, but the idea that, you know, music can be a form of escapism. For me this year, the Dua Lipa album, Future Nostalgia, was that form of escapism. It gave me... Um, a lot of solace it gave me a lot of joy it gave me a lot of heart it gave me pure pop thrills it gave me great songs um and it was something i went and listened to an awful awful lot this year and um, so much so like and even then the club album that came afterwards which is a great remixes of yeji who we featured earlier is on it um the likes of jada g and joe goddard and even madonna and missy Elliott are on it um blessed madonna who put it all together so yeah, Future Nostalgia was the album that I we reviewed on the podcast and were very impressed with, and it just never really left my rotation at all all year. I think the only thing I'll say in in terms of negative, there's only about two okay songs on it. The rest of them um, are great songs. I'd say even the first one, the title song, isn't that great, but the run from song two to song nine are just absolutely unreal you got like don't start now cool physical levitating pretty please hallucinate love again and break my heart like it is very rare to get an album that solid um that you can go back to over and over and over again i listened to this a lot this year because it really did improve my mood and in a time where we were in lockdown or able to do very little not able to go and dance not able to go these do those kind of things this was the perfect um refreshment in terms of having those kind of feelings and ideas and uh yeah it was simply just one of those great great pop albums that i think i'll be listening to for a long long time and that's as awesome. simple as it comes really um i can't really say more than that there um it's just i've surprised myself so there you go mm. um i think f physical is one of the only pop songs that i've listened to on repeat this year uh, I haven't listened to a lot of pop music this year or kind of wanted to go back to it but you cannot deny the power of physical it's just such an unbelievable banger 
Um, yeah. Yeah, there's so many good songs on this album. I'm going to play um, Pretty Please because it's uh, one of the album ones kind of more suited. She did a great uh, NPR Tiny Desk concert actually last week, which mm. is very much worth to watch. Obviously, no one can go to travel and actually do the Tiny Desk concert physically, so they did it in London, but really nice stripped down set. So this is Pretty Please from Julipa. In the middle Think I lied a little I said if we took it there I wasn't gonna change But that went out the window Yeah I know that I seem a little stressed out But you're here now And you're turning me on I wanna feel a different kind of tension Yeah, you guess it The kind that's fine I hate it when you leave me unattended Cause I miss ya And I need your love but my mind is running wild, could you help me slow it down? Put my mind at ease Pretty please I need your hands on me Sweet relief Pretty Please Exactly where I want me Yeah Underneath your body if we take it further, I swear I ain't gonna break So baby, come try me, baby, come find me Baby, don't hide me I know that I seem a little stressed out But you're here now, and you're turning me on I wanna feel a different kind of tension Yeah, you guessed it, the kind that's fine Hate it when you leave me unattended Cause I miss you, and I need your love But my mind is running wild, could you help me slow it down? Put my mind at Pretty please I need your hands on me Okay, that is it. That is our albums of the year. Um, I think uh, we, we picked 18 in total there. So that's quite a lot. And uh, there's many more to uh, discover and talk about, obviously. Um, but we won't be doing that now. <laughs> that's quite enough for now. Yes. <laughs> um, but really, look, uh, I think that's a really solid list. There's plenty of other albums we could have chose. There's plenty of other albums I have on my list. There's plenty of other I haven't heard yet. There's Great album from mm. Perfume Genius we talked about earlier this year. There was Charlie XCX Lockdown album. There was uh, J Electronica, really good rap album. Mm. Princess Nokia. Um, Chloe Nilo, and Halle, Silverbacks. Yeah, all um, of the Irish ones we we have, we also reviewed. Uh, Jesse Ware's album. Um, loads of others. So many others. that Actually, I uh, when I look at the... I made a long list of albums this year. Um, and Jarvis, the Jarvis album is one I nearly forgot about. I loved that, yeah. Yeah, and then even tomorrow, the Avalanche's new album is out as well called We Will Always mm. Love You, um, which I've heard and I quite enjoyed it a lot. Um, so a nice December yeah. album if you're looking for something new to listen to. So that'll be out as well. But that's it. Um, yeah, like next week, we're going to have, like you just said, we're going to have a Christmas party. We're going to have a Christmas party. <laughs> Over Zoom. I, I said to Niall uh, <laughs> while Julipa was playing there, I was like, uh, next week for the for the podcast awards, let's do it in the evening and let's 
get drunk. Yeah. So join us for that. <laughs> join yes. us for our Christmas party because we don't get to do one. We had a sick Christmas party last year with uh, we did. Ke- Kelly and Luke as well. Um, and that was the best. So we'll uh, we'll do our best this year. Yeah, Kelly, Luke and Mike joined us last year in person, but uh, Kelly and Luke will be joining us as well uh, next week to share some of their uh, thoughts on 2020 in terms of music. Um, yeah. But all that Great remains me to say is uh, thank you, Andrea. Um, thank you, Niall. Hit up her substack, andreacleary.substack.com. Um, yeah, new post coming. Yeah, uh, I will be starting on Saturday, I think, or maybe next week. But um, I am going to be doing 12 playlists of Christmas, which is basically 12 different playlists, maybe even more, to be honest. Uh, playlists uh, every day leading up to Christmas, which is basically best of 2020, different types. You talked about their uh, pop songs that you love this mm. year. I have a playlist of 32 pop songs from this year i think i've uh i've also pr- promised you a playlist for you one of have, those yes yeah. uh you'll so be doing I'll be on those uh, i've got ambient and chilled rap and hip-hop dance electronic rock disco r&b and soul loads of things to share loads of things for you to listen to so if you're interested um and you want to support us patreon.com forward slash nine or nine and join up um this month and you'll get access to all those players as well as all the weekly ones and all the regular ones and all the special things that we put out so um yeah that'll be great um so listen looking forward to uh, our final podcast of the year next uh, week um we're gonna have a few beers and have some chats it'll be a little less formal than this one not that it was formal, really. <laughs> yeah, this is maybe as formal as we go, to yes. be fair. Yes, but it is nice to just uh, go deep and uh, and talk about loads of different albums. So thank you, Andrea, as ever. And um, I hope you have a nice uh, weekend and I uh, hope everyone listening out there has a nice weekend too. And uh, not too stressful. Look after yourself. Look after your head. And uh, we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to health care, it pays to be extra. 
And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.